y'all, it's me, the Red Wine Rodeo Wife, Amy Catherine Staten. I have a co-host today who is also bringing you this episode, Three Palominos, the original Western Graphic Tea, and my mother, Amy Oglesby Craig. We're here today with world champion and Miss Rodeo America 1973, Pam Minnick. You were so gracious to let us use your Miss Rodeo America 1973 photograph for one of our spring teas, and we know that we'll be as iconic as you are. Your personality is synonymous in the Western world, not only in rodeo, but in the rural industry as a whole. Uh, I'm not sure that, that people know your whole story. Um, so we're here today in the historical stockyards and the infamous Billy Bobs. Okay. Well, first of all, that picture that you're gonna use is probably one of the last pictures of a Miss Rodeo America that had pigtails. But at the time, Pigtails were pretty popular, you know, so maybe we'll bring them back. I didn't even notice that it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, we're just going to jump right into it. So, were you raised in the Western world? I wasn't. The crazy thing is I was born and raised in Las Vegas. My parents, till the time that they passed away, never even rode a horse. But like all little girls, I had to have a horse. And ironically, my first horse was a Palomino. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, and my we we talked about horses all the time. We lived on five acres, which was a blessing because um, if we didn't, we probably it probably wouldn't have been as easy to get a horse. But there wasn't a corral on it. It was just a house in the middle of the desert out in Vegas. And at the time, there wasn't. You know, now it's the home of the National Finals Rodeo and things like that. But at the time, it was just you know, an old desert town. And there was going to be a hotel built, because you know how they have all the themed hotels there, you know, Treasure Island, right. Paris, all this stuff. Well, there was going to be a hotel built with a Western theme, and they used these two Palominos to pull this covered wagon up and down the strip to advertise that this hotel was coming. Well, it never got off the ground, and those two horses became my sisters and my first two horses. They were matching Palominos that were pulling a wagon and how we ended up running barrels on them and poles and everything else, you know, is just, that's a story in itself because my parents didn't know how to ride. Um, the horses didn't come with, the, they came with a halter and that's it. No bridle, no saddle, no anything. We had no corral, so my mother tells these people, you know, she buys the horses for $300 a piece, and they deliver them to our house, and we don't have a corral. My dad literally dug post holes in that caliche there in Vegas, and we tied them to a post the first night we had them. <laughs> and by the second day, he had dug all the post holes and built two corrals for them. And that's the beginning of my story, which is kind of crazy. Then we joined... My sister and I both joined 4-H. 4-H was like a big yeah, part of it. 4-H was such a big part of it because, uh, you know, I mean, looking back on it, I don't even know how we knew what to feed them. And um, and they, my parents, like I said, never developed any interest in doing it themselves or, or riding or anything else, but they certainly encouraged us. And so we used to ride to our, we didn't have a truck or a trailer either. So we used to ride to our 4-H meetings, which was about two and a half miles away through the desert. And um, I still remember my 4-H leader's name was Alice Kuhn and it was the Brush Poppers 4-H. So um, then about five or six months later, my aunt sent us a saddle 
And so my sister and I had one saddle to share between our two horses. My mother brought us, bought us bridles at um, Acme Feed. And I think the whole bridle with the bit and everything cost $5. <laughs> you know, I mean, head stall, reins, bit, five bucks. And so we got two of those, one for each horse, <laughs> but we had to share the saddle. And it just kind of blossomed from there. Got an interest in the, the events at the 4A tour shows and Jim Canna's. And my parents eventually got a truck and a trailer and, and we got better and better and better. Well, I know for me personally, 4-H is also was a huge part of my life, and I feel like it's a credit to how I think that I can do things like a podcast. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, and doing a good job. Because, you know, I learned how to speak. I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to call people up on the phone and say, hey, you want to mm -hmm, do things mm -hmm. like this? So I loved, actually, when I found out that your story started with 4-H. Oh, that is. Because so many people overlook it now, and it's a treasure such a great foundation and those and those 4-h leaders i mean the amount of uh time that they put into helping the kids in that you know and ours was was a horse project 4-h club but there's it doesn't have to just be horses no. i mean there's rabbits and you know anything anything and more that ffa is 4-h is absolutely mm -hmm. i agree um, so one of our biggest things and questions that everyone who wants to know, of course, is your Miss Rodeo America. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? What? I guess it was Nevada. Were you Miss Rodeo yes. Nevada first? Mm -hmm. And it's Nevada. Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Texas here. Um, but I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, I don't even know what state she was before she was. I just know her as Miss Rodeo America. Yeah. So um, that's a funny story. You know, my life has been a series of seizing an opportunity, you know, never being afraid to try something. And that came from my mom. She always said, you cannot use the word can't in our house. If you want to do it, you can do it. So after school, you know, once I got better and better and better with my two, uh, with our two draft horses, that, that, and they were quarter horses, but they were, you know, I mean, the quarter horses can be pulling horses as well. In fact, the Wells Fargo stagecoach was pulled back in the day by quarter horses, but um, so had better and better horses. And um, I won the state, um, Nevada State High School Rodeo Barrel Racing Championship. I tied goats and pole banded and did everything that you did, breakaway rope, everything you did in high school rodeo. And after school, I rode horses for a man named Dean Shindell. And Dean ha had a really nice place in Las Vegas, had several really nice horses. Um, and a lot of movie stars kind of gravitated to him because of his horses. And he liked a bulldog. He had a bulldogging team that was on the road. In fact, they might have gone to, um, they might have taken his team to the NFR. But um, like Jimmy, James Kahn used to ride there. My my Miss Rodeo Nevada pictures are taken on one of James Kahn's horses, oh which gosh. is kind of crazy. That is. But um, so the Miss Rodeo America pageant horsemanship was held at his arena. And this would have been in 19, probably 71. And so he, uh, I the girls would, came there and me, I'm a cowgirl. I am not a queen. I mean, I'm not, I'm not curling my, I'm, you know, I'm dyed in the wool cowgirl and that's, that's just who I am. And these girls didn't know how to tie a goat. And at that time you had to tie a goat in the horsemanship competition. At Miss Rodeo America, you had to, run a barrel racing pattern, a figure eight stake race, 
the horsemanship and tie a goat. So several of the girls in the pageant did not know how to tie a goat. And so I go stomping in, you know, 17 year old smart Alec and pain. said to um, Mr. Shindell, those girls think that they're cowgirls and some of them don't even know how to tie a goat. <laughs> and he said, if you think it's so easy being a rodeo queen, why don't you enter? And so challenge accepted. So the following, that would have been in November of, I guess, 71. So in uh, May of 72, Heldorado is the hometown rodeo in Vegas. That was our PRCA rodeo. It was called Heldorado Days. And at one time it was so big that we got out of school Thursday, Friday, and of course the weekend because the Heldorado Rodeo was such a big deal in Vegas. Now, of course, that's kind of been eclipsed by having NFR and PBR there. But so I entered the Miss Heldorado pageant. I made my own suit to wear in the pageant because at that time you wore suits and gloves and hats. And so I made a white suit because then I could accessorize it with any color. It wasn't that smart, a white suit. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, so I really had no clue what what the contest was all about. I mean, the only part of the pageant that I had seen was- The goat time. The, yeah, the, the <laughs> horsemanship. And so, um, but you know, I knew horses, so that wasn't a problem. I had, I wouldn't say extreme confidence, but reasonable confidence and I could speak, you know, because obviously the 4-H upbringing and everything. But looking back, I think it's so funny because uh, one of the, in the modeling part, which I wasn't a very polished model, um, they ask you to take off your jacket. Well, I know now that there is a stylish way to take it off and fold it over your arm as you strike your model's pose. I just opened my jacket and slid it off like you would out in the barn because I thought they wanted to see my champion high school rodeo bundle. Oh, of course. <laughs> so um, I won that pageant in May. Um, and then I went on to Miss Rodeo Nevada in September and I won that pageant that was held in Reno with the Nevada State Fair and then I won Miss Rodeo Nevada, I mean Miss Rodeo America in November. So my entire length of uh, pageant went from May to November, which is a pretty tight time frame mm -hmm. when you look back at it now because a lot of those girls are ladies in waiting for a year or go oh, through it, you know, yes. but, I, but I had entered full disclosure. I had entered a little britches pageant when I was like 11, which I did <laughs> not do well. And I entered high school rodeo one year at the state level. Um, but I didn't do well in that either because I had a really good barrel horse, but nothing to do horsemanship. I mean, they had these, uh, tires in the arena. You had to do your figure eight and you had to do, um, a circle around the tire or something, or maybe a rollback on the other side. Well, not my barrel horse. He's going to turn the tire like it is a barrel. So obviously didn't do well in high school rodeo. <laughs> but I won Miss Rodeo America in November of 72, which was the title of Miss Rodeo America 73. And it really shaped the rest of my life because everything that I've done since then is pretty much a result of relationships that I made at that, you know, during that year. Right. Well, that's exactly what I was about to ask. It's like giving you all these opportunities mm -hmm. uh, still opens doors for still you, does. I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, and then you were also a world champion calf roper? Yes. Um, in 19... So after my year as Miss Rodeo America, which um, I sat in on the PRCA's board meetings, um, I really took it upon myself to really be an ambassador 
all, all Miss Rodeo Americas really truly are ambassadors. And I, I just, um, I was and still am so passionate about the sport. And so those relationships with the PRCA board and the, and the administration, um, three years later when they started televising rodeos, more and more. I mean, there. Prior to that, I think the 59 NFR was televised, but not very many other rodeos were. So in 1976, uh, they called me and said, "Would you do the the interviews and commentary?" Actually, I was doing the the entire reporting at the at the rodeo with Jim Shoulders and Larry Mahan and Donnie Gay, and we did a live rodeo on CBS. My very first telecast was, was live on CBS. I bet that was <laughs> And um, And I look back and I'm thinking, people go to school for broadcast communications. I didn't, but I knew what questions to ask them. I mean, I lived the sport. So that was 76, and then we started doing a lot more rodeos in 78, and then in 1980, ESPN came online. But in, during that time period, I also ran barrels. I tried really hard to make the finals in 78, had good early success. Nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. So in nineteen seventy eight, I was uh, I really tried hard to make the national finals rodeo in barrel racing. I um, I had early success that year like at Denver and Scottsdale and Phoenix and you know some of the spring rodeos and clear up through Reno and and Cheyenne and then after Cheyenne I was like I'm not knocking on the door of the top 15 and this is a lot of work and so I think after Albuquerque I just said no this isn't gonna do but um, but I really but I still did well made my circuit finals the turquoise circuit um, several years and so running barrels and in the meantime so at this point I, if you're in the turquoise circuit where are you living in Arizona okay yeah so I moved from Vegas to Arizona for I skipped the part about my practice husband so um so <laughs> I understand <laughs> after my years Miss Rodeo America I was married and lived in Arizona and so yeah turquoise circuit is uh, Arizona New Mexico so um then in the meantime I was I team roped a lot and um, and then started breakaway roping again because I breakaway roped in high school, but there wasn't really that much of a place for it. But there was some good rodeos like Bakersfield, California, that added as much to the breakaway as they did to the barrel race, which at the time was unheard of. Now it's you know standard rule, but um, but so I had great success that year and won the world in 1982 in breakaway roping. So, That's amazing. Yay. I still have a great buckle there. I remind JJ and Jackie of that all the time. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, and like that's the that's one of the main things with this is this whole breakaway thing that is happening. Even people that don't care about breakaway, they need to understand that that's a big deal. That we're finally letting breakaway in. And I think it's it serves two purposes. Obviously, it's great for the competitors. Well, it serves more than two purposes. It's great for the equine industry. And then it's great for the audiences, too. Because I could always tell as a broadcaster or as a um, just somebody that was observing a rodeo, you can always tell when there's first-time rodeo fans in the audience by just by listening. Because during the calf roping, it's like... <gasps> 
because they just, you know, it's still, they still have the Bambi experience, you know. <laughs> I was thinking about that last week, actually. I went to several, uh, now that I live in Bastrop, I went to Austin for several performances. Mm -hmm. And there's always a lot of first-time people at yes. Radio Austin. And yes, they're, just the way they react to everything. I, Kate, we were standing up top afterwards. I bet 20 people asked him for a picture just because he had a back number on. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. what are y'all doing? <laughs> Did y'all just watch it run? Because I wouldn't want to You were the one. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so with the breakaway, you know, the calf gets away. And I think it's great for our sport. And, it, and, it, and it's great for the committees. Um, obviously, women are... Uh, usually decide what the entertainment options are and so the the more events that they can have for women and and kudos to the ladies you know not only that came before like the, you know take myself out of the equation because I wasn't that big of a proponent for it I had I mean I enjoyed competing in it but it wasn't like I was beating the drum for it but Betty Gail Cooper who was yes and um, and and the people like that that came along that were there to set the stage for because JJ was competing when Betty Gale was, you know, and so there's there there's been just such a great constant of these girls that competed and then just got better and better and better and now there's hundreds hundreds of breakaway ropers and the competition is so tough and and it just makes my heart happy. Well, and I don't think that some people, even people in rodeo, don't understand that. You know, like you made the women's national uh, finals oh, rodeo mm -hmm. like 11 times. I don't think people really understand that that was like a whole different thing. It was a whole different thing, and it's not like it is today. No. Um, and I, I and I think that I think it could come back um, because I think that there's so much interest in the in the Western industry that it would be easy to resurrect. It just kind of took a detour and I'm not sure that that the people were were and are in place to really beat the drum to make that happen. Um, and then the other part of that is that the hauling that it took at those little paydays, you know, to, to yes. be able to do that, um, that's been that's that's one of the challenges. I mean, we we would we'd spend five hundred dollars in fees to win two hundred dollars, and we're happy to do it. You know, I mean, um, I was I think I finished third in the world one year, and uh, before they split the head and the heel, and um, which which is a great thing that they did. But I think I won sixty five hundred dollars in the whole year. I mean, that's not even a go round anymore, which is great. But I think that there's enough interest in breakaway roping you know, the team roping. And they do have, the WPRA does have their finals in Waco, and they've really tried to put some emphasis behind that, but without the riding events, they're just not getting the audiences. And um, as these as these girls become even more, you know, well-known, and maybe the audiences will follow them, and it'll help that Women's National Finals Rodeo, because it would be awesome if we got back some bareback riders and bull riders too. And I think there's those girls out there that are daredevil enough to do it. They just have to have a platform and a place. Well, and you know, there's actually was a show. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. Yes, yeah, was. that cowgirl show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually really enjoyed it. Yes. I, I mean, they were so tough. And they were. And it was so crazy, some of the lifestyles that they came from. Like, my friend is a publisher of a magazine here in Fort Worth, and his daughter was in that. 
Well, and you know, they did it, um, they let them go to Mesquite. Mm -hmm. well, I, I, I haven't been to Mesquite in a couple of summers, but I know a few summers ago they were letting them compete there. Mm -hmm. and a little, a little bit, you know, yeah. that's the other thing that people, again, even people that are rodeoing now, and I only know it from going to the old Broads reunion that that was a thing. Yes. You know, you and won. it was every weekend. I would come home from doing a TV show and my husband would meet me at the airport with my horse and I'd drive to Duran, Oklahoma for a jackpot. You know, so. And I mean, like, because for example, like you won, you won the Tad Lucas Award. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People have no idea who that is. Yeah. They don't yeah. know that she was an actual the, rough stock rider. Yeah, yes. More than anything. More than anything. So I agree, and, and wrote against the guys. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I think that she's she's actually known more than some of the guys from that era. Exactly, right. yeah. So um, also, we just wrapped up Rodeo Houston, mm -hmm. but you were the very first female oh, rodeo announcer there. Announcer yeah. at Rodeo 1992, Houston. Nineteen ninety-two, I think, or ninety-four, and that was that was pretty cool. Um, uh, doing doing sideline reporting is one thing but actually doing the commentary of the event and having at the time 60,000 people hanging on your every word is um, a little bit overwhelming if you look at it with a big lens but if you're just there talking you know with Bob and Boyd like, like is that who you did it with? Uh -huh. with Bob uh -huh. and Boyd? Yeah. I, uh, I, oh, Bob, actually, uh, we sell real estate on the same oh, real estate team, yeah. and then Boyd is my favorite announcer. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, shout out. He always has nice things to say about my husband. <laughs> we both <laughs> like those. So, he's my favorite. Um, again, I want to talk about the old Brock reunion. Mom, my mother, Amy Oglesby Craig, who I told y'all is here with me today, has been taking me to the old Broads reunion for, I don't know. A long time. Years. Since and you were a young broad. Since I was a young broad, yeah. I think now I can be classified as old. Um, and that sounds like such a terrible name when you say it like this and you don't actually know what you're talking about. But it is a reunion that basically older cowgirls that used to do things like rough stock riding, roping, this uh, women's national finals, ladies from... 30 years ago 30 40 mm -hmm. years ago mm -hmm. and every year it used to be the night before slack at fort worth of course we don't have slack at fort worth anymore but when we did y'all did it the night before we have it at um, the longhorn saloon and all of these women come together and talk about back when they bucked back when they bucked <laughs> and some of these women i just i mean i'm in awe of all all of them but they some of them are they, they're rough yeah. <laughs> and some of them are still competing you know but um, Amy I'll tell you um, you you probably know Angie differently than I do but I know her as um, as a team roper and and she and she actually roped tie down caps as well but I know her from the all-girl rodeos you probably know her from college rodeos too I actually know her my, my mother and her grew up together they play date together. So we go way, way, way back. She's from Gatesville, right? Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. And so um, this was her brainchild because she would always go to Slack at Fort Worth and she'd run into people. And Angie's very outgoing. And, um, and she's a good organizer, too. She used to be a school administrator. So she, you know, kind of rides herd on, on everybody. And she came up with the idea to do this. And 
the first year, I think we both modeled in that fashion show, the first so. year she did it, she was like, you come and you bring some vintage clothes. And so you dig back in your closet and hope that you still have your, you know, your stretch high, lame. your stretch lame or your high-waisted, uh, you know, panhandle slim jeans or Rockies or whatever you're wearing. And, um, and it has grown and grown and grown. And the last, this last year, girls came down from Oklahoma for it. I mean, it used to just be kind of like anybody in the 817-254 area codes. You know, now oh, yeah, Denima Merrill, Roy Patterson came down from Oklahoma. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anybody that rodeoed with, with them. And and I, at the in the very beginning, like Vicki Emerson and that group that... They all went to school together. I think they a lot of them went to Tarleton together. So they were all on the championship rodeo team. So they were telling championship rodeo team stories. And I'm like, hey, girls, I was from Vegas. I don't know anything that y'all are talking about. So it's 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 gotten a lot. The broads have gotten broader yes. in a broader sense, not big butts. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. So Arizona, how did you end up in Texas? So... Um, this is kind of, when I was Miss Rodeo America, I met... Because all of this came from your Miss Rodeo America. Did You didn't go to college? I never went to college, yeah. I signed up for college and then, I, you know, I was the youngest Miss Rodeo America. I was 19 when I won uh, Miss Rodeo Nevada in, in the same September that I was supposed to be going to college. So, um, yeah, and then when my year was over and I married my practice husband and I thought I'd never see another poor day, so there was no reason for me to go to school. <laughs> but, um, so when I was Miss Rodeo America, I met Billy at the Fort Smith Rodeo. He was a rodeo producer and he produced that rodeo at Fort Smith. He doesn't even remember meeting me. I barely remember meeting him. And so, but 10 years later, I'm here to do... Uh, the Youth National Finals Rodeo at Cowtown Coliseum. So that would have been 1982. I was here to do that TV show and maybe another TV show. I don't know. But anyway, um, Billy was managing Billy Bob's at the time and he walks out the back door of Billy Bob's and I said to this girl, Vicki Williamson, you probably know Vicki. I said to Vicki, I was like, who is that guy? He's kind of cute. And... Um, and she said, that's Billy Minnick. I said, oh, I met him when I was Miss Rodeo America. So I come barging over and said hello. And uh, and he said, hi. No. <laughs> so anyway, we connected. And um, and I was getting a divorce anyway. So I went home and came back three or four months later, moved here to Texas. And another six months later, we got married. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And we celebrate our 40th anniversary in uh, May. That's and he got me that new horse that I just got. That was my anniversary oh, present. Anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we all ladies that want horses. <laughs> I did not ask for a horse. <laughs> and I, I believe that a, that getting a horse is like getting shoes. You got to have one you're comfortable with. My husband, on the other hand, thinks that it's something that he's comfortable with, and that I will love it. And so far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's so at the time he was managing it, but y'all are part owners and uh -huh. you were like head of marketing in the face of Billy Bob's for, for about 30 years, yeah. 25 yeah. plus years. Yeah. When did that happen? Um, so he was here at Billy Bob's and we got married in 1983. And then in 86, I think he left. He wasn't an owner at the time. And after he left, it was still here for a couple of years and it went bankrupt. Um, and so when the new people reopened it, 
they asked him to come back and uh, manage it because it's kind of like running a dairy. Having a bar is 24-7. I mean, you, oh, I can we've got 200 employees, you know, booking big time acts, you know, so many opportunities for success, but so many opportunities for failure as well. So he came back in, in the end of 88, beginning of 1989. And this is kind of a funny story. So I was doing my broadcasting at the time and I was, had just flown in from Pocatello from the Dodge National Circuit Finals and he picked me up at the airport and he goes, hey honey, I fired the advertising agency today. Um, you know about television, you can do that. Sure I can. That's, that's how I became the marketing <laughs> director at Billy Bob's, which is so funny because people actually go to school for that too, right. just like communications. Um, and now at, I, give marketing classes at several different, you know, as a guest speaker at several different colleges, just because marketing is something I think that you have, it's like being an artist. It's something that it's a gut feeling, you know, I mean, obviously there's quantitative things that I've learned a lot about. And I did find out as the marketing director here when I was very um, early in my stages that Radio stations and TV stations and magazines will help you find a way to spend your money. Oh, yes. So, um, so you know, let them do the quantitative thing and you see if it works. And for me, the bottom line is how I know it's working. I don't care how many people click on things. I care about how many people get them in their cart and purchase them. Right. So, you know, all this stuff about algorithms and this and that and followers and everything... If they're not putting it in their card, if they're not buying a ticket, if they're not walking through the door, it doesn't mean anything to me. So results are what speaks to me. I understand that completely. And that's another thing about what I was talking about earlier with some of the women that I know that are the reason that I started this, that are the real deal. They're not concerned with their Instagram following. Mm -hmm. They're concerned with results. results. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, way way better than <laughs> however many Instagram followers you think yeah. you have. You got to figure out how to monetize it. Yeah. Um, well, I know personally, and it sounds like to me that your husband is obviously very supportive and <laughs> it is so nice to be married to men that are happy for you to have the equal success <laughs> or the more success or let you be the <laughs> face of it. <laughs> so I, I, I always, I was, ta I was talking to Kate about that last time. I was like, well, you know, I was like, her husband, I was like, his name's Billy, I guess. I was like, because Billy Bob's? And he was like, I think it was Billy Bob's before. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, there really was a Billy Bob. Yeah. So, uh, I I appreciate that yeah. in, in a man. Personally. The point being that you, you just knew about Pam. Yeah. I just knew about Pam. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, the, and, you know, my husband, obviously, he's a pro rodeo hall of famer. And so he's, uh, you know, when I met him, he was you know, the cool guy, rodeo producer or whatever, and um, and prided himself, you know, for having great stock. He bought his rodeo company from Gene Autry, which is really, really cool. Wow. We've got one of Gene Autry's saddles in our house, and um, you people don't know that the Harry Knight Rodeo Company was actually owned by Gene Autry, and so when Billy bought the Harry Knight Rodeo Company, he wrote the check to Gene Autry. That and is a, so cool. Such a cool story, yeah. And when Gene Autry came here for Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan had his retirement party here at Billy Bob's, and he had previously played for the Angels, Nolan had, and Gene Autry owned the LA Angels, or the California Angels, and so Gene Autry came to 
Nolan's retirement party here and he and Billy talked and he still remembered the name of some of those bucking horses. So that wasn't just an investment for him, it was actually a passion. And, um, and that's kind of a cool part of that history. But, you know, speaking of my husband, to, to, to have his own success and yet be supportive of me because every day we get up and he looks at me and he's like, so what are we dining for disease for tonight? Because <laughs> we do a lot of charity work in this area. And, um, and I, I always look back to the 12 years that I did the PBR tour. I mean, it takes a guy with a real uh, sense of trust and confidence to send your wife out every week with 40 bull riders, yes. you know, and know she's gonna come home. um yes and speaking of all of the charity work and everything so actually just last weekend it was the um texas cattle oh cattle racers convention yes so i have a really good girlfriend that they own the sell barn and lockhart Mm -hmm. jade bowmeister is her name and her husband sells the dinner and the dance oh right but she is major in... My past is your, your brother, your uncle oh, owns Lockhart. Oh, I'm sorry. Lockhart. You're right. My uncle owns Lockhart. <laughs> they own Lampasas. Yeah. Sorry. That gets confusing. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uncle Bubba might not did she Did that. she come to the afternoon thing where I did the interview? I'm sure oh, that she did because yeah. I guess that was with the Fox News girl. Right? Yeah, yeah. What is her name? Dana Perino. Dana. Yes, yeah. I saw that. And so I was thinking about that, like that you still have, how do you have time to do things like that? Last week was kind of crazy because I went to Vegas to take care of my stepdad who's 99 and a half, uh, 99 and one half. And, um, and then I came home on Wednesday night and that's when I discovered that my husband had got me my horse for my upcoming anniversary, but he, you never have to put a limit on that. Then Friday morning, I had to shoot the American Rancher that morning. That night, we had the Texas Historical Foundation for uh, honoring Cavenders. Got up Saturday morning and did the interview uh, with Dana Perino for the Cattle Raisers. And that night, drove to Stephenville because Debbie Garrison was giving her award from Tarleton. So last week was kind of crazy. This week has been a little little slowed down. Still had a lot. Um, I'm the president of the... Friends of the Fort Worth Herd, which is the cattle drive. And so yesterday we had our board meeting and today I had to meet with a web designer on that website. And so there's a lot of driving around. And in the meantime, my, my sanity is getting on my horse. Horses. Yeah. <laughs> you still have time for that. I don't know how that happens either. Um, okay, so cowboy slash cowgirl channel. Uh-huh. You are heavily involved in both of those. Yes. Um, primarily, you know, my, my shows that I produce, the American Rancher and uh, Gentle Giants are, their primary airing is on RFD TV, but then, you know, they also air on the Cowboy Channel. And, um, you know, I'll do special projects for the, for the Cowboy Channel. I don't have a, a real active involvement other than just as a kind of like a consultant for, for Patrick on things. Um, of course, I do the Rose Parade and occasionally Western Sports Roundup for things. Um, the Cowgirl Channel, I'm really excited about because at first I was kind of concerned. I was worried that it would either dilute the Cowboy Channel or it would just have second-rate programming. Right. Because I was worried that how can you fill that? And I look back to 1980 when they came to us in rodeo and said, you know, we'd like to put rodeo on this new 24-hour sports network. And everybody said, nobody can fill 24 hours of sports. 
well, that was called ESPN, and now there's five different ESPN uh, channels. So when I, whenever I think that maybe you can't fill the programming, I look back to those days of doubting ESPN. And so, and they've done a really good job of, of filling that and shining kind of a spotlight on, you know, just like two days ago, I watched the Cowgirl Hall of Fame induction ceremony from 2022 on the Cowgirl Channel. And I think that as they move forward and hire more talent and producers, it's going to be it's it's going to be the real deal and give ladies a place to go. I pitched an idea the other day to do a, a story on like really cool ranches and barns, and I, I just think that women would really enjoy that. I mean, men would too, um, but you know, like I said earlier, women are decision makers, and Madison Avenue and the advertisers re- realize that. So I think that um, you know. Never doubt Patrick Gotch. If he has an idea, he's going to get it done. (laughs) Might be a crazy path to do it, but he gets it done. Well, that's like what my whole thought process process again is with this is that, you know, women are the backbone of this industry. Yeah. Whether you see them or you don't see Mm -hmm. them, that is the difference. They might be the silent person just driving the truck and exercising the horses so the cowboy Mm -hmm. gets there, but they play an important role. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, And again, I just think that that's something that needs to be brought to life. Yeah. Which is another reason. And and it's going to morph. I mean, all of the, what the cowgirl channel will end up being is not what it started being. I mean, it's going to morph and grow just like the cowboy channel has um but it's going to grow into something i think that cowgirls can be proud of well and with the cowgirl channel what was that show and it was on the cowboy channel but now that we have the cowgirl channel it really makes more sense for it to be on it um the one that serena and the girls did oh oh amy wilson's deep dive the well with the them taking over the ranch ranch oh oh yes oh yeah 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 yeah. not not maybe rancher Rancher. Rancher. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. So our really good friends in San Angelo, uh, Serena, right, right, her maiden name, yeah. and they did that show because her husband was the super successful rancher out there in San Angelo, and mm-hmm. then he passed away suddenly, and it was her and her two girls, and mm-hmm. Serena literally had to figure it out. Yeah, I loved that. Well, obviously, yeah. I loved that episode. I know her, but I loved all the other episodes yeah. too. And so I, I there look are shows Terry, like that. There will be more. there will be more more shows like that. I think. Yeah. So I I am excited to see that on the Cowboy Channel. And as the mother of three girls, my girls are they love the Cowgirl Channel. It makes them feel like they have something of their own. It really yeah. does yeah. because they being and again they are so lucky that they have a father that puts them first and mm-hmm. lets them know that they are just as important as a cowboy. Mm-hmm. But it does. It kind of gives them a place that they're like, oh, this is a thing. I always felt like on RFD TV and then later on the Cowboy Channel and now on the Cowgirl Channel, I felt like there's room for a program that's a kid's Western program, like riding with, you know, pick any any person. But if a young person was giving riding tips, I think kids would love watching that. You know, there's a million clinicians, Mm -hmm. but no kids that are... You know, speaking kids speak. You know, mm-hmm. so I think I think there's a lot of you know. It's it will only be lim- limited by how much money they can spend on production. Well, um, I think I just have one more question. And actually, I was laying in bed last night, writing, like looking through my notes, and Kate said, "You need to ask her." You know, 
Is there ever a time that you've been ready to just throw your hands up with the rodeo community and call it a day and be like, I'm done? No. And I think that that's the great thing about my life, either, you know, as a cowgirl, as a broadcaster, or when I was here at Billy Bob's, every day there's something new and exciting. Not one day is like the other. And they always say, if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And every part of my life I love. You know, um, I two years ago during COVID is when I decided I was gonna take my rope horses and start doing ranch riding. And I go to the AQHA World Show and end up reserve world champion. And it's like, I didn't have that in my plans, but it was something that was out there and I tried it and I enjoyed it. That probably is one of the most stressful things I've ever done because it's judged, not timed, and I've got not that much control over it. But no, I've never, um, I've never, you know, I served on the board of directors of the WPRA for years. Were there times that I felt like there were certain members that might not have the entire big picture of interest? You know, a lot of people are very self-centered and I'm, I think that I'm more of a community person and I want all boats to rise. And you know, if, I think if you talk to any of the girls on the, on the Cowboy Channel or you know, most, most of the girls that have gone into broadcasting, they'll tell you that I've tried to open doors for them so they don't have the same challenges that I might have faced at right. the time because there really wasn't a template for it when I started doing it. So I've never, this is, this is who I am. You know, it, I'm, it's not, um, being a cowgirl isn't something that I wanted to be. It, it's just who I am and who I end up being. So it's not like, no, I've, I love every, every second of every minute. <laughs> Well, and I think that that speaks a lot to... I hope it shows, too. I was going to say, I think it speaks a lot in that you say no, that there's never been a day that you wanted to just throw your hands up because, you know, sometimes you can run into people on occasion, not a lot of them, but on occasion you'll run into people in the rodeo world that you're just like, ugh. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to be around you or anything like you. But you just don't even let those people bother you. You just move on with your day. I can only control me. I had that kind of restraint. I'm just kidding. I'm getting better. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. What thank you. a life you have lived and a trail that you have blazed and continue to blaze for all women and the inspiration that you are um, at Three Palominos. Our saying is that cowgirls have always been our heroes mm-hmm. and you sit at the top of that list. Well, thank you. Make sure everybody gets one of those t-shirts. Actually, that's the only thing I was going to say. That will be our, when we, when they finish, come out of the printers, that is going to be our feature spring t-shirt. Yay. So, yes. Pigtails and all. Pigtails and all. Now I'm going to have to go look at it again and see the pigtails. <laughs> I totally missed the pigtails. But, yes, thank you so much for sitting down with us. I know that everybody is just on pins and needles waiting to hear this. Oh. So fun. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week.
Thanks so much, you guys, for listening to this episode of the Red Wine Rodeo Wife. I hope that this episode with Pam Minnick touches lives and inspires someone who is thinking their dreams are too out of touch for them to reach. They are not. If you are willing to put in the work and keep a positive attitude and use every opportunity that comes your way, big or small, then you should go for it. Again, thank y'all so much for supporting the Red Wine Rodeo Wife. I sincerely appreciate it and cannot wait to let y'all in on our next great guest.